Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Eternal Father, we thank you for how far you have led us in this service. It is so glorious to be together worshiping the God that we know, who is true, who is altogether love. And so, Lord, we pray that as we are being reminded of who you are, may our doubts melt away, may fear vanish, and may our trust even that we have for you and on you be rekindled. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there is anything that I believe is grossly misunderstood by the world, I believe it's knowing God through love. Christians have this advantage that we do not only know about the love of God, we have experienced the love of God. Anyone that will come to Jesus must know that indeed what he did on the cross of Calvary is real. And he's for you individually even though he died for the whole world. Now I believe that there is nothing that we can compare it with the love of God on earth. No one can believe it unless the person has experienced it. I pray sincerely that all of us here together have experienced the love of God at one time or another in our lives. Or else, we'll just be playing church. We are not serving a God who is always ready to knock us down whenever we do something wrong. We are not serving a God who will abandon his creation or abandon his children. I thank God because from the Old Testament to the New, we have this assurance, though my father and my mother may forsake me, God will embrace me. That is the love of God. God is not only loving, he is altogether love. In the book of First John, which we believe was written by the beloved apostle, the beloved disciple, Paul, uh, John, we can deduct, deduce about four purposes of John writing this book. It has only five chapters, and I know that um, in this little book, little epistle, the reasons for John writing them can be found first in John chapter 1 verse 4. First John, sorry, first John chapter 1 verse 4. He wrote and it says he says this, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Children of God, we 
are not just happy people. Alcohol can make you happy. Drug use, illegal drug use can make you happy. But it will fade away. But our joy will be full when we know about this wonderful God expressed in the, in the book, the first John epistle. Then again, in chapter 2, verse 1, you will see this written, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. For you to know that indeed, as we say, uh, humanly speaking, to err is human, to forgive is divine. God is a forgiving God. He will surely forgive if we confess our sins to him. The third one, the third reason, I, I want us to jump to First uh, John chapter 5, and we'll read verse 13. These things I have written to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So the first one is actually for us to have fullness of joy. The second one is for us to know that we should not indulge in sinning. And the third one is for us to know that Eternal life is ours when we believe in Jesus Christ. That must not be taken away from you. Eternal life. And if you have eternal life, this temporal life that you are living will not in any way create fear in you as far as you think about death. Death is inevitable unless Christ Jesus comes to take his own and those who are alive also will shed this mortal bodies in order to reign with him with the body of immortality. Then the fourth one, which I believe is highly, highly important, can be found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. 1 John 4, 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. All the reasons can actually uh, be deduced from this, but I would like for us to stress this and make us to be aware of the task that God is requiring from us. Now, when we talk about God's love, when we talk about the fact that God is love, I sincerely believe that we need to know the qualities of this love of God. The qualities are so unique. 
And everyone that will live a godly life will have, will actually pray to cultivate this. I know that many of us have been in love or fallen in love. Uh, which one? Being or falling? Uh-huh. Okay. The thing about it is this. If you'll be sincere, if you'll be sincere with yourself as you're seated, when you first loved your spouse, if you're married, when you first loved your spouse, guess what? Has that love increased? Or has come to a plateau? Or has reduced? In most cases, the first time you saw your spouse, well, I will talk about men. Because men and uh, women actually uh, uh, grow in it. Is that not true? When I first met my wife, sincerely, it was a save. She was the only woman ever created by God. Ah, don't clap yet. Can I say the same thing now? Have I actually looked upon her to say that, hey, um, I think we made a mistake to have gotten married. Or you're looking at it and say, this is not the woman I married. Because sometimes our love is based on one particular thing that we see and we cherish. But God's love is not like that. God's love is not like that. Thank God because I did not marry my wife out of pity. I chose to marry her. And God granted that she will love me back. Or else, I'll just be dreaming of marrying someone like her, but not really her. Let's see God's love. God, God's love is uninfluenced by anything. Nothing influenced it. He chose to love, to love us. And I thank God because even the children of Israel knew this when he told them that, look, I saw you as a small nation, as a small little people, but I chose to love you. I chose to choose you among all the nations. And therefore, it was not because they were more righteous. It was not because, oh, they knew how to actually tap into God. But by the grace of God, yes, they had Abraham as their father. Nonetheless, God chose them. And he has decided to choose us. You know something? Because this idea of the fact that we do not have to be circumcised, we don't have to actually follow the, the, the Jewish uh, way of worship, the Jewish people rejected Christianity. They believed that everybody must actually come through them. God is not like that. And I thank God because I don't have to be a Jew in order to actually come to know God. 
what a wonderful God is, it, it, this is. Absolutely uninfluenced. Now the second thing is, I know that the love of God is eternal. As long as God is, it remains love. It has no beginning, it has no end. It is love. This we know also that um, he expressed in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with, lo with loving kindness, I have drawn you. An everlasting love. Love without end. I see also that the love of God is so sovereign. He chooses to love anyone that he, he, he desires to love. He said concerning Cain, uh, uh, he, he, Jacob and, uh, and Esau. Is it Cain and Abel? Yeah, Jacob I loved. Esau, I hate it. Could God actually do that? He has the right to do so. He has the right to do so. And because he has chosen to love me, I should actually desire him. Jacob I have loved. Esau I have hated. Romans 9, 13. Then again, his love is immutable, unchanging, absolutely unchanging. We see this expressed in James chapter, chapter uh, 1 verse 17. It has no shadow of turning. Pure. Totally without any variation. God's love is so wonderful. And uh, to crown it all, his love is gracious. His love is gracious. Absolutely without any fault of giving. He will give and give and give and give again. Therefore, you can rest on him. As expressed in Romans chapter 8, verses 32 to 39, we can now claim and say to ourselves, what can separate us from this love? By the grace of God, nothing. Nothing. And even this morning, a table is set before us to know that God demonstrated his love, not by just saying it, but by proving it. He proved it to us that he loved us with an everlasting love, that he loved us so much to the point that there is nothing he will withhold from us. And as children of God, I pray that we will not in any way be reading the papers or listening to the news as to what and what is happening in the world which actually will cause us to, uh, to fear. We hate to be in difficulties. We hate to actually have challenges that we cannot surmount. We hate to 
have anything to disturb. You know, the area of um, comfort that we have actually ever known. We hate it. But here, we're saying, in fact, the, the, the word of God tells us that nothing can separate us. Not even death that we fear the most. Not even death. Nothing. Diseases? No. Why? God is there. And what is there is again, is that if God can give us his only begotten son, the Bible says, what else will he withhold from us? Oh, we of little faith. Children of God, on Calvary, the Lord went for you and for me. To Calvary, he actually laid his life down. He did not only say it, as we actually have had this morning, greater love has no man than there is for a man to lay his, down, his, his life down for his friend. He laid it down. He did not only say it. He actually gave up his life for you and for me. One thing that I know that is by far worse than death is hell. Hell. And a lot of people don't care. They want to live long here. But they don't prepare themselves for eternity. They think that we are only saying what actually we don't know. That there is life after this that we know. There is life. Life continues after we might have given up the ghost. And it is important for every one of us to prepare ourselves for eternity. We were candidates of hell before. But when Christ came and touched our lives, something happened. And that something is greater than what money can offer. I pray sincerely that we will not lose this grace that we have in Christ Jesus who died in order to save us from hell. It is important also for us to know that we too, we need to give something to this God who saved us. And we'll come to that by the grace of God. One of the things that are found in the scriptures is that those who truly know God have lived in a manner of showing the love of God beyond what the flesh can allow. Beyond what the flesh can allow. Flesh is selfish. Flesh weighs us down and makes us to be afraid that something is going to be lost. But for the people who knew God in the true sense of it, right from the Old Testament, even to the New, we found something unique about them. One, you know Joseph. Joseph was badly hurt by his brothers. Sold into slavery. Loved by his father. But abandoned in a foreign land. Why? Because the brother were jealous. What did Joseph do? Did he punish them? Did he retaliate? No. 
he forgave them. And he forgave them not according to the flesh. In fact, he made them to know that they meant what they did to him for evil. But God Almighty meant it for what? For good. When you come to the realization that everyone that is actually tormenting you now is actually uh, being used by the devil, maybe, uh, but for the purpose of who? Of God. Then you will realize that you have nothing to worry about. The battle is not yours. The battle is for the Lord. He told them, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good and for the salvation of many. Not only the Egyptians, not only for his own brothers or family, but for the whole wide world because the world turned to Egypt in order to buy grains. Why? The Lord sent Joseph ahead to do that. Secondly, when you think about salvation, when you think about redemption, do you know that we have an account in the Old Testament that actually brought this into light? Have you heard of the, about the prophet Osea? Osea married a prostitute demonstrating what God is going to do, not only for Israel, but for the whole world. Married a prostitute, Goma. And this one will live with Osea for a while and then go back into prostitution and then he will bring her back and she will go back and bring her back. The love of God will actually redeem us even when we go astray. But I pray sincerely that you will not allow the devil to push you so far from God so that you'll be in agony for a while. No one of us needs to undergo any agony anymore because the love of God has reached us. And of course, I know that the word, the, the love of God is expressed so wonderfully by the psalmist as we turn to Psalm 103, which I know that we read a lot, especially when we are doing Thanksgiving. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5. And I pray that you'll be able to claim it and to actually testify to, that God has done this for you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. What have you come to do this morning? To bless God. Do you realize that God has done much for you? Can you actually say that all that is within you huh, has come to praise the Lord? Unless you appreciate the love of God, you will not be able to, to do this. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Wow. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your, your life from destruction, from hell, and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? Oh, wow. Who satisfies your mouth with good things 
so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. God always cares for his own. And the psalmist knew this and expressed it. As Christians, what has God done for you that you need to testify about? In some cases, you know, we've, we take these things for granted. What the psalmist actually raised here, we take them for granted. We come to the assembly where thanksgiving should be given, where testimony should be given, but we sit down as if to say that God has done nothing for us. May I now come to the last stage of this particular uh, um, message? And it's so important for all of us here present that there is something we need to do about this love. There is something that we need to do about this love. If the, Lord of, if the love of God is truly present in our, in our lives as believers, we must show the difference in these ways. One, we must love God because he first loved us. We must love God because he first loved us. How do we show our love? It is written in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. God does not want just verbal expression of our love for him. Yes, he waits for us to praise him, but our lives must actually be in obedience to his commands. Children of God, whatever you have been doing, which actually is contrary to the commandments of, of God, of Jesus Christ, desist from it. Love him by keeping his commandments. Secondly, we must be able to love believers in Christ, the body of Christ. We must actually show our love for God by loving one another. We will read a few passages. First John chapter 4 verses 20 and 21. First John 4 20 and 21. Hear what the Bible says. If someone says I love God and hates his brother he is what? A liar. How many liars do we have in the house today? Even your spouse, the father of your children, the mother of your children, you don't love her as you should. And then he says, huh? he's a liar. And uh, for, he who do, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Huh? And this commandment we have from him. From who? From Jesus. That he who loves God must love his brother also. It's there in the scriptures. 
Another passage, First John, chapter 5. The continuation of it. Whoever believes, that's verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus is, is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot also, also, oh, sorry, uh, yes, also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the, 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 uh, we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Wonderful. When we go back to the passage we read, that's First John chapter 4, verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. And of course, the last one from the horse's mouth, even Jesus Christ our Lord, which is found in John chapter 13, verse 35. John 13, verse 35, says, By this all will know. Who are they all? The world. The world will know that you are my disciples if you love, if you have love for one another. The world will know not by our miracles. The world will know not by our eloquence. The world will know not by our righteous deeds, which are important, but by our love. Why? Love is absent in our world. A lot of treaties have been signed. A lot of um, um, people in the world have met to debate this or that in order to come to an agreement. But agreement can never be made unless the love of God is in our world. We must love sinners. Church, we must love sinners. The love of God is not meant for here only. It is meant for the outside world. What is our theme for this year? Church, let's echo it. Let's, read, let, let's say it in unison. My year of deliberate witnessing. My year of deliberate witnessing. How many people have you witnessed to? First half of the year is gone. How many people have you taken time to really talk to about Jesus? That Jesus is the way. You know my song that I love so much? If I can actually uh, if I can love somebody, help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody uh, by telling them that they're going wrong, then my living shall not be in vain. I pray sincerely that your living will not be in vain. In Jesus' name, let us pray.